Welcome to BSD Talk number 201. It's Friday, November 5th, 2010. I'm bringing you some interviews from Meet BSD California 2010. Out here in Mountain View, California, it's a two-day conference. First day is an unconference, and the second day is traditional lectures. So today I've been running around getting some interviews from some people, and uh, here's the first one. We're here again at Meet BSD California 2010, and I'm in the room with Chris Moore from the PCBSD Project. Welcome back to the show. Good to see you, Will. And recently, there's been an alpha snapshot of the next PCBSD. It feels like we just got into the current release, but I guess things are moving fast. What, what? We're, we're progressing real quickly. Actually, this won't be our next release. We're working on 9 at the moment. There will be an 8.2 mm-hmm. uh, shortly after FreeBSD 8.2 releases, and that'll be mostly a bug fix and maintenance release. But all the exciting new stuff's already working on 9 right now. What are some of those key changes? Oh, where to begin? There's so many things. The, the biggest deal, the thing that's going to be apparent right up front to people is we are no longer KDE 4-centric. We're going to be going multi-desktop environment. So uh, the big four right now are KDE, GNOME, XFCE, and LXDE. And uh, those will be selectable out of the box. You'll be able to change them post-installation as well. So if you install some window manager decide you don't like it and want to throw another one on it's simple to do just pop the dvd in or select your mirror and go to town it'll just do it for you now from what i remember from the installer in the past you did have some choice is it that you've just added more choices or something's fundamentally different something's fundamentally different with this release we've actually written some new tools a whole back-end system called the pc meta package manager which is a fancy way of saying we're manipulating free bsd packages and uh, we'll have a whole bunch of different meta packages, for example, GNOME games or KDE graphics or whatever. And you'll be able to pick and choose from your uh, checkboxes which particular components you want loaded, and then it'll manage figuring out which packages need to get installed on your system. And those packages will be frozen at the time of release, so you'll have a complete set that just works well together. So during that part of the install, it's a package install, and then yes. subsequent uh, end-user installations are PBI. Uh, no, actually, it'll still manipulate the packages. There will be PBI, and we'll, we can discuss that too, what's changed there for 9. But uh, as far as the set desktop environment goes, when PCBSD 9 is shipped, we'll have a small uh, system tarball we extract, which is your FreeBSD base, and then all the packages that you get loaded into that to make your, your desktop environment. And when you go later on and want to change those, it'll remove the packages you're getting rid of, add the ones you want, again, from the installation media, and uh, just customize your desktop to your liking so you're not forced into one environment. And PCBSD 9, the version number 9, that implies that it's also going to be FreeBSD 9? Correct. Yeah, the snapshot's based off of FreeBSD head from about a week ago. Okay, so your release schedule then relies on the FreeBSD release schedule. So the word is June, the summer, but it's a .o release, so October. Sure. <laughs> Whenever. And what are some of the features of FreeBSD 9 that you're most excited about? Oh, they just put in a USB 3.0 support, which is just fantastic. Uh, the uh, G-Journal, not the G-Journal, excuse me, the soft updates plus journaling is something I'm really looking forward to using. I'm actually defaulting to that in the snapshot now so people can try it, and it works great. Um, there's just been a lot of improvements in it across the board. It seems snappier on the desktop. I'm not sure what changed to accomplish that, but it's a nice improvement. 
Great. Are there other interesting features that are specific to PCBSD that you're bringing into Nine? Yeah, with Nine, uh, the biggest, the second biggest change, I guess I should say, will be the PBI system. It's been completely re-implemented from scratch, as in we started from zero, and I started from zero and rewrote it. Completely learning what we've what we know from the existing system and adding new features that have come up over the couple of years. Uh, the big change is it's no longer QT4 based; it's completely shell driven. So uh, it's all command line driven. You can do PBI underscore add, info, remove, update, patch, etc. There's going to be a ton of commands with man pages, and then the QT4 GUI portion sits on top of that and talks to the back end commands and, and does the stuff. Um, from a desktop perspective, if you're in your window manager, you download a PBI, click it, it's going to ramp the GUI. It's going to look 95% of what it was before. You may not even notice that it's running uh, the shell command in the background, but it is, which means if you're a shell user or command line user, you can still experience PBIs fully. Uh, some of the big changes in the format, though, some of the new features apart from that is uh, sharing of libraries now. We have some merging of a hat, I call it the hasher, and what we do is we actually check libraries at installation time and figure out, oh, these libraries are identical between Firefox and OpenOffice, we can share them with a hard link. And that means now we're reducing disk space and RAM when you're running the apps because they're all looking at the same inode. So that's a big deal, and it's really intelligent and smart how it manages those. So when you remove one, it just deletes the hard link and checks, oh, other programs are still using this, we'll keep it. But in the hasher, you can have five copies of the same lib that are just slightly different. So you can still uh, have the independence the PBI format offers where you're not uh, killing other apps by changing libs. Uh, other feature, digital signing. So PBIs are now signed from the build server. So you'll know if it's verified, trusted, etc. And you can roll your own, sign your own. I mean, it's pretty cool if you want to deploy PBIs in your your place of work or just your home, you want to roll them yourself and check on that works. Um, binary patching is another feature people have brought up. So in the past, when a PBI was updated, like Firefox, it would download the whole PBI again, extract it, and you'd be updated. Well, now we've added binary diffs hmm. to this. So the build server will say, okay, here's a new Firefox. Let me make diffs to the past five versions, for example. And uh, if a PBI was, say, 150 megs, the diff file may be 4 megs. It's wow. sometimes minuscule. For, like, for people in low-bandwidth situations. Oh, yeah, yeah low-bandwidth, and it's faster to install. I mean, it's just a tiny little file, because 9 times out of 10, it's only a couple of those programs, binaries, or libraries that have changed, and the underlying packages are all the same. So it'll, uh, when it performs an update now, it'll check. If that diff's available, it grabs it, tries to apply it, and if it works, great, you're done. If not, it'll still fall back and grab the full package if you've modified it or it doesn't match for some reason. But uh, that is a cool, huge feature, especially for somebody who's on a slow connection. Hmm. So. And this is all still 32-bit, 64-bit Intel? Yes, 32-64, that's the standard for yep. a desktop user. Um, Another cool feature with this new format is that from the command line, if you're used to using packages, you have package add minus R, which will go fetch the package from a repository. Well, we now have PBI add minus R, so if you're a command line, you can say, hey, PBI add minus R Firefox, it'll figure out what version architecture you need, fetch it, and load it on there. There's other flags where you can override things. You can say PBI add minus R Firefox minus M I386. So if you're on 64-bit, you can load up 32-bit. And get your Flash support. Exactly. Well, Flash still works in this case, but a good example would be Wine. Wine's not available on 64-bit, and now with the same command, one slightly different flag, you're able to load the 32-bit version on the 64-bit OS, and it just Mm -hmm. works. 
which is pretty cool. And then there's uh, options. We have a huge index file, which lists what PBIs are available, what past versions are available. So you can even override it and say, I don't want the most recent. Give me this version. <laughs> and it'll load that and manage it for you. It's pretty sweet. I'm trying to remember. I think during the last sort of rewrite or major work with the PBI stuff, I seem to remember something about trying to install certain things in jails and issues with X. Am I thinking correctly? Uh, you might be thinking of the port jail. We do oh, maybe it's port jail. Yeah, okay. port jail. We still have that. That's a. It's just a neat little tool where if you want to install ports without touching your base system, you can do that and run things in a separate mm-hmm. jail. And that jail, we've done some NullFS mounting trickery so that it, it can see your desktop and communicate like it's running on the real system. That's just a cool way to play with ports safely without worry about breaking something fundamental. But it seems to be working out okay. So yeah, yeah, it seems good. to be working. I mean, it may not work with every single app, but for the bulk of them out there, it's a great way to just load up a custom version of you know, Firefox or whatever and just run it, see, mm-hmm. if, it, see if it works. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about the, the PBI from the command line, it, it almost seems like uh, something that people from stock FreeBSD might enjoy doing. How is it easy to get that available for yeah. people? Actually, I should have mentioned that. That's something that's in the plan, too. Uh, PBIs are great, and we've had a lot of FreeBSD users go, well, it would be nice if I could just grab OpenOffice, since that's a pain to compile. And in the past, it wasn't possible. It was all QT4-based, KDE-based, and they had to have the exact same versions we did, otherwise things didn't match. Well, the new system, the plan is to put it actually in the ports tree before the end of the year. So people on 9 who are you know testing it now can start grabbing PBIs and use them. And uh, who knows, maybe if we clean it up a little bit, maybe we can get into base at some point. But for now, throwing it in as a port with one dependency, maybe two, that's not very hard to do. So if you're a stock FreeBSD user and rolling your own desktop, you could potentially use the PBI system as well. Hmm. Did the new PBI require a whole new build infrastructure or you just sort of have updated the the build infrastructure you're building for old and new in the same farm? Um, it is a new new infrastructure. Actually, it's a little cleaner. The, the PBI command itself includes all the build tools. We've done some cool magic trickery um, to improve this. In the past, the PBI system, you had to download a tool called the PBI Builder, and that included the uh, CH root environments where it could go and build all the ports in a clean place so it's not touching your system. Well, in the new PBI system, we have a command called PBI underscore make port. And you can run this command, just throw it a few flags to say which port you're building, uh, do I want to sign it with a digital key, etc. It'll actually build the port without a ch root in its own prefix without seeing anything on your system. It looks like it's building a clean jail, essentially, without all the messy other stuff you have to do. So it's faster, it's clean, it just it works really well, and it means it's built right into the PBI commands. Now you don't have to go grab some third utility to do all this. I can imagine Drew Levine shaking her head right now because she just came out with a book which included a whole <laughs> section on how to build your own PBIs. Yeah, well, we'll have to update it, but in this case, the improvement is significant. This is something now where it's just simple. It's right there. It's got a man page with it, so you mm-hmm. can look at it and go, oh, cool, okay, build my own PBI of you know, libfoo that I don't have, and mm-hmm. there it is. So we're pretty, pretty convenient now. and makes it easy for us to deploy on a build server. All I got to just do is install the PBI manager from ports, and bam, I'm, I'm ready to start uh, building. We even have uh, scripts included in there, so it'll do an auto-build. So if you have a huge directory of modules, you can just say, okay, build all these modules, come back a week later, and it's done. Hmm. What, about, uh, proprietary, what about proprietary software in your PBIs? Are we going to have a, a World of Warcraft PBI yet? Oh, it depends on what's in the ports tree. Um, with the modules, with the way PBIs are built, you could potentially build anything you want. I mean, as long as the port structure is there and you have wine, you could load World of Warcraft in. And we've done that in the past. Um, 
Personally, I'm not too hip on doing too many of those on our build farm just because things tend to break often with those and you end up maintaining a lot of modules that you're having to play catch up with the WoW client and with the Wine client and making them work together. Um, but yeah, we could do that and the end users are more than welcome to do that if uh, anybody would like to roll their own or, or wants to take one of those on and maintain it, sure. Mm-hmm. I did want to circle back a little bit to uh, at the beginning of this talk. You did mention some window managers, one that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it's a new one that, that you're taking a look at. Could you describe that a little bit? Oh, yeah, you're probably talking about LXDE, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. LXDE is a lightweight uh, desktop environment. It's actually in the FreeBSD ports tree now. I ported it about a month, month and a half ago. So it's in there. You can run it today and try it out. It uses OpenBox for the window manager. Um, I'm starting to become somewhat of a fan of it because it is really, really lightweight. It's like running Fluxbox, except you actually get icons and a menu and and a uh, file manager that understands MIME types. I mean, hey, what, what an idea, you know? This is crazy. I can actually click an icon and it works. But uh, for low-end systems, I have a little EEE PC I run that on. It works great. Hmm, that's good, yeah. Unfortunately, my triple EPC has a four gig SSD drive, oh, so yeah. I can't run that. <laughs> fail. <laughs> yeah, it's a total fail, and I don't feel like ripping it open to put a bigger one in there. Yeah. But, uh, once we have uh, much larger SD cards, I can sure. I can boot off that and be really sure. really slow. So, our, you know, speaking of those system requirements and light systems, are between eight and nine are the system requirements significantly different? Yeah, and they will vary, too. Now, instead of it being one default system requirement, before it was just KDE 4, you had to have this to run it. Now, with all the multiple window managers, you could potentially run KDE 4 on a real high-end system with graphics, or you could throw it on an EEPC with something real low-end, you know, an Atom processor, and and run that way. And also, the disk requirements are going to change as well, because depending on the packages you select, it may be 5 gigs, it may be 15 gigs. But uh, that, that's good. We're giving users options now so they can really customize it to work uh, with what's best on their hardware. Any major changes to the installer? Well, the installer has been updated for a few new things. Obviously, the package selection's a big new uh, page you have on there. Um, some usability enhancements. You're able to now to set your host name on there. It's not auto-generating it for you unless you want it to. Um, for the disk page, we've added a couple cool new features. Um, we've had people request easier way to use ZFS support or an easier way to use uh, journaling. So on the main page where you normally would just say auto partition, you have a couple checkboxes below and you can say auto partition my system, but I'd like it to be ZFS. And it'll handle all the logic and figure out here's your ZFS partitions, you're good to go. Or journaling or just regular soft updates. It's actually pretty nice. There's also a toggle for GPT. So if you want to switch to GPT partitioning, one checkbox and bam, you're ready to go GPT. And I, some people were saying that with the GPT, you may want to avoid doing that on much older systems, but you're okay on newer ones. Yeah, in theory, it works everywhere because we have the PMBR and it should just work. However, we've had users report in the past that on older systems, the BIOS actually can hang when it looks at the GPT drive and the only solution is to yank the drive out of the computer. So uh, I would caution against using it unless you're willing to run a risk on an older system or just if you're on a newer system, you're probably okay. Great, great. And this alpha snapshot, is it available as a standard installer or is this sort of like a, a VM that someone has to download? It's an installer. We have the USB installer, the boot only, and the DVD and the live DVD. So uh, that's another thing that's a little different. The, uh, we have two DVDs now. We have a live DVD, which is KDE4 based, and then a uh, install DVD, which has all the window managers on it. The problem being that when you do a live DVD, it's got to be under 4.7 gigs, and getting them all to fit on there may be a little bit of a challenge. Can you also install 
at least the base from yes, the, so live. the live DVD, if you boot that and say it's the KDE4 desktop, you could actually install that and it'll load it up. You won't get the option for all the other packages at the time. But once it's installed, there's nothing stopping you from going into the system settings and saying, oh, by the way, load GNOME or load <laughs> LXDE. And that's another thing. Uh, we've added a whole new tool chain in the system now for how you configure your PCBSD computer. In the past, we were kind of tied into the KDE system settings. And uh, obviously now with KDE not being there potentially, we can't rely on that. So we've written our own tool called the PC Control Panel. And in there you have your system settings, your software manager for browsing and adding PBIs, uh, your network config, etc. And that's consistent across the window managers. So once you get used to using that tool, it could, you could be in any environment and fire it up and do something. Great. And is there an upgrade path from 8 to 9? You could potentially upgrade it from 8 to 9. I caution against it just because the ABI is different, so your old PBIs aren't going to work on 9. Personally, I'd recommend just backing up your home directory and moving to 9 and, and extracting that. Um, you could do it, but be prepared for a little cleanup afterwards. All right, and where should we go get this alpha snapshot? It's up on our FTP server right now. Uh, if you go to blog.pcbsd.org, Drew has actually posted some information about it with the initial announcement, and there's links available there. Feel free to give it a whirl. Great. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 201.